Man, what a good start to our morning. Uh, we're just going to continue on in that right now. And, um, you know, we had Valentine's Day a couple days ago, just two days removed from it. Anyone actually go out to dinner on Valentine's Day, sit in a restaurant? Oh, wow, some brave souls in here. Awesome. Anyone get to go from a restaurant on Valentine's Day? Just a few of us. Okay. Um, Pastor Tina posted something on Facebook on Valentine's Day. It was this married couple. It's like a cartoon on a couch. You know, they're laying there and one says, happy Valentine's Day. And I was like, yeah, you too. <laughs> and I actually, before I even saw that, I took it a step further. And Jesse and I were on the couch watching a movie with the girls. And I didn't just lay there and say it to her. I texted her. <clears throat> It was very romantic. It's like, this is where we are in life right now. We might as well just own it. Amen. Yes, exactly. It was what, you know, it, you would think, you know, with Valentine's Day just a couple days ago, there's a lot of churches that are talking about relationships right now and love. And, and I've been listening to a lot of these pastors, and it's been incredible. Um, you know, and it just kind of lends itself to that this time of year. And um, I thought that's what we would be doing. But to be honest with you, everything that the Lord has put on my heart has really been uh, kind of the opposite of that. And where a lot of people are talking about love right now, what we're actually going to talk this morning about is hate. And we're going to talk about how um, I hate the devil. Okay, and we're, we're going we're gonna to address that because as, as Rick kind of alluded to, um, there's been a lot a lot going on, I believe, in our church body. And I just, it's just a, it's a feeling that I get. It's, it's a sense of just warfare. I mean, and, and I'm not talking about you stubbed your toe on the coffee table warfare. I mean, life is really hard right now. It's really hard. And I feel like it really started after our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Like we did some things during that time. And I even shared a few weeks ago about how when we storm the enemy's castle, he doesn't take it lying down. I think we've seen evidence of that. If you looked in your own life, you can probably say, yeah, I can testify to that right now. And so what I wanna do this morning is I wanna talk about the enemy. I wanna talk about Satan because we need to know our enemy and how he operates because if we don't, then we are going to be helpless against his attacks and we are gonna become his punching bag and we are gonna be, uh, you know, we're gonna be just lying on the dirt in the road wondering what just happened. But if we can understand Satan and his role and what he tries to do, then we can combat his attacks on us. And it is very important to do that. I was talking to uh, one of our elders, Sal Prestia, the other day just about this very thing. In the church, we don't talk about the enemy enough because it's hard. Because then it, it, we admit that there is an enemy. All right? But we need to know that. We need to understand that the Bible is very clear that we are not up against uh, flesh and blood, but powers and principalities. There is a war going on for our souls. All right? And so we need to know who, who that enemy is and how he operates. So we're going to do that this morning. And I want to start, I want to preface everything by Jesus' words in what he says in John chapter 8, starting in verse 44. It's a little, it's like halfway through verse 44 where we're going to pick up. And it says, he, talking about Satan, was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. I love this line right here. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. He was a murderer from the very beginning. 
From the very onset, Satan's objective was to kill us. That's, that's, not, that's not a real, uh, you know, goosebump type message, right? But that's the truth. Satan is out to kill us, and he does so by lying to us over and over and over again to the point where he cannot tell the truth. He can't. And listen, I'm going to talk, absol- I'm going to talk in absolutes about the devil today because he is absolutely everything that the Bible says he is. There is no wiggle room. There is no gray area, which honestly makes it easier for us. If there was any gray area where he operated in the light sometimes, then we would be a complete mess. But we don't have to ever figure out if the devil is telling us the truth or not. He's not. He is a liar. And he will lie to you till, the, till your last breath on earth. Okay? And so, as Jesus says here, uh, he was a murderer from the beginning. When I read that, what that kind of got going in me is, well, what was the beginning? So it, 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 it reminded me of Satan in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And I said, well, I'm going to go look back and I'm going to read on this and just see what that first interaction was like. And it's amazing. It's amazing what we can learn from this very first conversation that Satan has with someone on earth. Okay, so let's turn now to Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? See what happened there? First, you know, the Bible, God says that he's crafty, right? But more than anything, what is that question? Did God really say this? Did he, did he really say that? Are you sure that's what he said? And I feel like if there was ever a tagline for Satan, that would be it. Did he really say it's like, you know, back in the day, all of us old school growing up in the 90s, Urkel, did I do that? You know, this is, this is Satan's, did I do that? Did God really say? And the first point that I want to make to you this morning is that Satan, every time, will make you question what God says about you and what he has said about you. Every time. He will make you question the things that God says to you. God might be pushing you in a certain direction. God might be saying, it's time for you to start serving in church. You get all excited. Okay, it's time I'm going to serve. Well, and a couple hours later, maybe in the next day or the next week, eh, did God really say that? Was that bad pizza? <laughs> God's calling me to start tithing. I haven't, I haven't been tithing. He's calling me to do that. Ah, did he really say that? Have you seen your bank account? Did he really say that? He's told me to stop drinking. Did he really say that? Are you sure that's what he said? He told you to stop flirting with that coworker. Oh, did he really say that? It's innocent. God didn't say that. He will always, always, always make you question the things that God says about you and that he has said about you. He will make you question the very promises that are written, hard copy, in the Bible that you can turn to every day. He will make you question those things. Why? Because he's a liar. And so I want to ask you a very simple question this morning. Are you questioning God in anything in your life? Are you questioning God in any aspect of your life? Something that he's called you to, something that he's leading you towards. I want to ask you, why are you questioning it? Did God change his mind? Was it bad pizza? Or perhaps, is God pushing you into something that maybe feels a little uncomfortable, that is going to stretch you, 
but that is ultimately gonna bring great joy and benefit to your life, and maybe, just maybe, Satan wants to rob you of that. So he's making you question the things that God has said to you. Listen, that's what he does. Not only does, does he do that, but he does more. Let's keep reading. Or skip down to verse four. You will not certain, so they have this conversation back and forth, and Eve tells him, you know, we're gonna die, and he says, look, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, meaning the tree, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So not only does he make you question what God says, but he always speaks the opposite of God. Always. Because we've already established Satan is a liar, he is the father of lies. That's his native language. Well, the Bible also says that God is truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if Satan is a liar and God is truth, then we have two opposites, right? So everything that God says to you, Satan will and has to say the opposite because he can only lie and God never lies. So if he says something to you, you can take it as truth because God doesn't lie. But then, then what happens is we open that door. Maybe we let a little time go by from when God has spoken into our lives and when we actually act on it. And that little bit of time, that little door that we leave open is when the devil comes in and he starts making us question what God has said. And then when we try and fight, he goes, no, 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 he didn't say that. That's not true. And that's not true. God says, I have plans for you to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope in a future. Satan says, no, 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 you're a failure. You're a failure. You're not going anywhere. God says, I'm gonna provide for you. I'm gonna give you everything that you need according to my glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Satan says, you're gonna go broke. You're not gonna be able to pay your bills. You're not gonna be able to provide for your kids. And you're certainly not gonna be able to give to the church. God says, you're more than a conqueror. You can beat this addiction. Satan says, you're under the power of this addiction and you're gonna be a slave to it forever because you're a loser and because you're weak. That's what he says. Those are the opposites that he says to us. And it, it's so sad. And listen, I'm, I'm talking to myself more than anybody this morning. How quick we are to believe the lies more than the truth. It's so hard. It's so hard for us to hear the words that God says that he loves us in spite of ourselves. We choose all the time to believe the lies of the enemy, the murderer, the father of lives, and we link our arms to that versus what we sang about this morning. Yes, we can do it in church when the music's playing and it's, and it's, it's, you know, it's Sunday and we know that there's gonna be a sermon and there's other people around. Then we walk out of here. I'm, I'm telling you, we're gonna be faced with this challenge not long after we get home, if not on the way home for some of us, where we have to own the truth and understand that those things, those lies that the enemy is telling us are opposite of what God says. They are the complete opposite of what he's saying to us. I, I, I began to say today that Satan's best weapon is lying, but the truth is, it's his only weapon. Now, he's, it's, a, it's a really good one. He, he's really good at it. But it is his lying 
that makes us do the things and fall into temptation when we believe those lies. He cannot harm us. He cannot make us want to destroy ourselves. He can't make us end our own lives. He can't make us have the affair. He can't make us click on the computer on that thing that we're not supposed to click on. He can't make us do any of those things unless we believe his lie that he tells us and he will tell it over and over and over and over again. That is why it is so important for us to get in the word and to know the truth. When we look, Jesus' example is the absolute best one. When he is in the desert and he is being tempted and he is being lied to by Satan, he combats it with, it is written. It is written. He knew what God's word was. He knew what the truth was. But if we don't have that, chances are we're probably gonna believe these lies because at first they sound really, really good. But listen to what happens when we give in to those lies and we don't speak God's truth immediately. Verse six, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She believed the lie. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And here's what happens. The eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. There's two things that I draw from these couple verses. One, their eyes are open, but they're open to what they've just done. Their eyes are now open to sin. They had been walking with God in the cool of the day in the garden. And just like that, it is now over and they know it. Their eyes have been opened and they now see separation. But what I think is even more telling about these two verses is what we really don't read in here, is what we don't see. And that is, as we're, as we're reading that they've committed this sin, what we don't see is the devil anywhere around. They've committed this sin and he's been in their ear trying to tell them that this is a good thing to do and as soon as they do, he's gone. He's gone. And there's really a couple reasons for that. The first one is that he doesn't care about us at all. He wants to kill us. And so once we've committed that sin, it's like, huh, I don't, I'm done with you now. But there's, there's, even, there's even greater reason for that. I'm gonna get to it in a second, okay? I'm gonna get to it in a second. Let's keep reading. It says, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And this is such a sad verse because this is really what the devil's after. Again, they had been walking with the Lord. They had been talking with God in, the, in this garden and everything was amazing. And now they commit this sin and what are they doing? They're hiding. And that's exactly what the devil wants us to do. He wants us to hide from God because he knows that God is our source. He is our everything and if we're hiding from him, then we've, then we've cut off our source We've cut off our lifeblood. We've cut off every, our heartbeat, everything, if we're hiding from God. You know, sometimes we hide from God out of shame because we've committed this sin. Sometimes we're hiding from God because we haven't stepped into that place that he's calling us to. We were hiding from him because it's easier to believe what Satan is saying that, you know, we start questioning God. And did he really say this? And so we start avoiding God because we're questioning him. The devil wants us hiding from God. 
But this is what is so cool. They're hiding from him. And how does the story go? But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? God came a-looking. He came looking. And this is why, to my point earlier, in those verses where Adam and Eve commit the sin, where we don't see the devil anywhere, it's not just because he doesn't care about them and so he leaves, but he also, know, he also knows that God is about to be on the scene and he better get, okay? Why? Because he is scared to death of God. Because God has authority over him. And so when God is on the scene, the devil runs. When, when Satan was tempting Jesus those three times and Jesus kept saying, it is written, he, Jesus was, by quoting scripture, he was shutting him up and he had no other thing to do but run. So when we start speaking truth to the enemy in those places that we're at, when we're being attacked, when we're under all sorts of warfare, when we can't sleep and we're hearing voices and it's just like we can't even breathe, we're just trying to make it from one day to the next and we speak truth, we are shutting the mouth of the enemy. And he, he runs, he's gone. And, and you listen, and let me say this too. If we don't, if we don't, and we give in to the lies of the enemy, and we hide from God, you need to know this too. He's gonna come looking for you. God isn't going, God, they did it again. How many times are they gonna listen to the enemy? He's saying, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go find him. I'm gonna go find him. Because that's, that's mine. He's mine. And so it wasn't just enough for God to go find Adam and Eve on that one day as, as you read the Old Testament and, and, and sins just started piling up one after the other and, and things were happening. God said, it's not enough. It's not enough. I gotta do something because I'm tired of this separation. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the veil in the temple. I wanna restore what was originally the plan and that was to have ultimate communion with my people, with my children. And so I'm gonna read this verse and I wanna challenge all of us this morning to try and hear this for the very first time because we need to know this, especially those of us that are walking in some hard things and you've been listening to the lies of the enemy that say you're a failure and that you're not gonna measure up. Listen, listen to what God did and what he thinks about us. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, for God so loved you that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So God's not just saying, hey, where are you? I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm coming to find you. I know you're hiding from me. He's saying, I don't care if you're hiding. I love you and I'm going to show it because lies don't show truth. Satan lies all the time, but what it shows is his, his hatred towards us. So God doesn't just say, hey, I love you and I'm for you. I, I'm gonna show you by doing the ultimate thing and that is putting my son on a cross for you so that you can always look to that and know that I love you. You can know that I'm for you. You can know that my promises are real. But we have, listen, we have to believe it. We have to believe it. There is no such evidence of that with the enemy. Nothing. The only evidence of the enemy is that when we look back on our life and he's tried to kill us, but you know what? At the end of the day, when we take Jesus into our hearts, 
no matter how many times we may have believed a lie of the enemy and stumbled and fallen and gone and hid and been exposed and been ashamed, at the end of the day, he is always a failure. He is always the loser because nothing trumps what Jesus did on the cross for us. For God so loved you. Y'all listen, he, he loved you that he wanted to make a way. He wanted to make a way. He said, I know you're gonna believe the lies sometimes. I know it, but I have a solution. And it's not gonna be easy for me because it involves my son. It involves him dying. But I love you. I love you. I love you. And so you can look at this sacrifice and then you can look at what's in the scripture and know that it's true because I proved it for you. He proved it for us. John 3, 17 says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And we, we, don't, we don't give that scripture enough weight. We, we hear John three sixteen a lot, but we forget that Jesus didn't come to condemn us. He didn't come to condemn us. So when we believe the lies of the enemy, when we question God, God's not sitting there going, how dare you? That's the voice of the enemy. I did not send my son to condemn you but to save you, to save you. Warfare is real. It is real. And I'm not trying to get spooky with you this morning, but we need to understand that. It's been said, you may have heard it, that the devil's greatest accomplishment was convincing the world that he doesn't exist. He does exist. And he is out for us. And there is a real battle that is being waged for our souls. But you know what? When we give our lives to Jesus, that's it. We are his. It is finished. So we are going to close this morning with some worship and with some prayer. We're gonna have the band come on up. Y'all come up now. And if, if you have been walking in darkness, if you've been in that cave and God's calling you out to the light saying, come on, come on. I'm not gonna blast you. I'm gonna talk to you with a gentle whisper. I'm not gonna beat you down because I didn't come to condemn you. I'm not gonna tell you a lie because I can't. I'm gonna tell you the truth. I'm gonna tell you how much you're valued. I'm gonna tell you how much I love you. I'm gonna tell you that nothing you have ever done can separate my love from you. I'm gonna tell you that yes, you do have the strength through me to get through the things that you are dealing with. Those strongholds that have been on your life you can get through because you are more than a conqueror. Because the words that, I, that I've written in my word are true yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And look, there's promise books out there that you can get, but really, we all have a promise book if we have the internet. It's called Google, all right? Just get on Google and say, I need a Bible verse for this, for addiction, for the, whatever, and they'll come up. We have greater access to scripture than we've ever had in the world and less people read it now than ever. Truth is in his word. And when we start walking in the truth, we're unstoppable and the devil has no hold on us. It's only when we start to question the things that God said about us and we start believing the lies of the enemy that we become defeated while walking with a God who is always victorious. I wanna pray for you this morning. I also wanna pray, especially for those of you this morning that haven't received Jesus. You've heard about the story of him 
being nailed to a cross. Maybe you haven't. This is your first time. But know that. God sacrificed his son so that you could run to him every single day and so that you could experience his grace and his mercy in your life. The veil was torn. That giant curtain in the temple that separated us from God is no more. And we can run to him. We don't have to hide from him. We don't have to be ashamed. We don't have to feel guilty. He's saying, I proved my love for you by my son's death, the worst death, humiliation, nakedness, torture, all on a cross for everybody to see. I displayed him on a cross, not for his shame, but for my love for you. I want you to receive him this morning so you can walk in that freedom. But for those of us that had, you need to be reminded. You've been doubting the things that God said about you. You've been believing the opposites that Satan has said about you and you're hiding. You're hiding from God. You're hiding from him because you're afraid to walk in that, in that new season that he's putting before you. I'm gonna pray for you this morning. And I wanna finish with these couple verses. First Peter five, starting in verse eight. I'm gonna read two different versions of this. It says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. This is the same verses, a little bit longer from the message. It says, keep a cool head, stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. Keep your guard up. You're not the only ones plunged into these hard times. It's the same with Christians all over the world, just like what Pastor Tina was talking about with what's going on in Friendly Faith today. We all have those things. So keep a firm grip on the faith. The suffering won't last forever. It won't be long before this generous God who has great plans for us in Christ, eternal and glorious plans they are, will have, will have you put together and on your feet for good. I love this, my favorite part. He gets the last word. Yes, he does. Jesus gets the last word. Are y'all ready to walk in that church? Are you ready to believe that church? We gotta silence the lies of the enemy. Let's stand up, pastors and elders, come on forward. We wanna pray for you this morning. The warfare stops and truth comes in like a flood. That's what happened in worship this morning. Truth came in, truth came into the room and look what happened. So we're gonna worship again. And I just encourage you to stay put. Don't leave early this morning. Don't leave early, stay here. And if you need prayer, come on, don't hesitate, don't hesitate. I'm gonna pray and as soon as I say amen, come up. Come up now if you need to. Father, God, we love you. And we thank you, Jesus, that no matter the season, no matter how hard things are, we can look to the cross. We can look at your sacrifice. We can look at the, at the word and all the promises in it that say you're for us, you're not against us. You'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us that you love us, that we are your children. We've been bought with a high price. And all those things will silence the lies of the enemy. God, forgive us for believing the lies. Help us to remember the truths. Thank you for setting us free this morning, Jesus. Thank you for setting us free, Father. In Jesus' name, come on up if you need prayer this morning.